Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got our mailbag. We haven't had a mailbag in a couple months, so we're going to do a post-draft mailbag. Got a lot of questions, and it's it's nice to get a two-page's worth of notes uh, ready mm. for this show. And we got the schedule release. Justin, I'm actually like really pumped f- for the schedule. Like I, I, I don't get like super excited, like, oh, it's schedule release day, but I'm very excited to see how it plays out. And uh, I've already planned out the games where I'm going to. Yeah, Bobby Skinner. I think this may be like a first ever. Well, first of all, there's nine home games. Nine home games for like the first time ever for the New York Giants. There's nine regular season home games. So that throws everything off. And then include the fact that, you know, I think we're both going to be going to two away games this year. We'll see about London. I may be, I may be going to Nashville. You're going to go to Jacksonville. So I'm excited. I, I could be going to 11 Giants games this year, which is freaking insane. I'm getting excited about three straight home games to start the year. There should be like a month stretch where the Giants don't lose a game in like the middle middle of October to November. So I'm getting some irrational thoughts in my brain and I'm getting too excited. How are you? Yeah, that Jaguars, like Texans, Lions, like in another team Seattle stretch. Yeah, that Seattle. That's like we play the four worst teams in the NFL in there. So as a fan, you get excited. But then you also remember it's like people look at the Giants as the same on their schedule. So we're, we're not going to do it. And we actually have a question of how can you convince yourself? So I actually, I want to talk about that a little more in there. So right now, schedule wise, I- I'm pretty sure we're going to lock in December 4th versus, uh, Washington. I don't like calling them the commanders, uh, versus Washington, uh, as our t- annual talking giants tailgate. Like obviously yes. you'll be at the home games, but like our one where we're providing a ton of food. We'll, ha- you know, I'll be there. We'll have the whole freaking crew there. We're looking at December fourth versus Washington. I, I let's, we can lock that in now. Yeah, lock it in. Get your ticks. Thanksgiving versus the Cowboys. Um, I on a different year, I'd actually hate that. But this year, my brother's wedding's on a Saturday after Thanksgiving, so I kind of love it. Um, but I think that's our only Thursday night game. Thursday night games absolutely suck. We only have I one Monday it. night game. Yeah. Only one Monday night game, which the past years, it's like they've given us like, hey, it's Monday night football. Let's put the Giants versus the best teams and just watch them uh, crumble uh, on the national spotlight. So, <laughs> you know, that's week three versus Dallas. So, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we're not going to give you a full uh, schedule breakdown, but those were just kind of we're, we're working on London. I sent it out to our sales team and said, hey, let's get this sponsored. Let's get let's send our asses to London. Really want to make that happen. Uh, December 4th. Uh, tailgate, uh, will you know at Giant Stadium? I'll be in Jacksonville, October twenty third, and then you're going to be in Nashville, um, the week one versus the Titans. So, we have producer Julian, um, with us on this call and on this show today. So, uh, everybody, peer pressure, uh, producer Julian to come with us to London so he can take videos of us and we can do more content. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to have to go with us, so it might Thre- as well be Julian. Him. Threaten him with violence. Might you know? Yeah, that's what we do, and use it if you have to. So someone's yep. gonna have to go. I'd rather it be Julian than, you know, some other Joe Smo. Mm-hmm. You know, at the at John Boy Media. So, um, all right, let's get into this mailbag. First, this episode was brought to you by just one Scott Peter. That's Scott our only. Peter. It's our only one, Scott Peter. My middle, my brother's middle name is Scott. Fun and Peter. Two first names. Oh, do you trust them? I always do. I actually trust people too. I don't trust people in a tunic. Mm. Bobby, can I tell people, uh, can I tell everybody where uh, Scott Peter went? Yeah, tell them. 
Patreon.com slash Talk Giants. Shows a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Got a lot of people hanging out, like 25 people hanging out, talking about the schedule, what games we're going to go to, what away games we're going to go to, how much fun that we're going to have. Uh, Bobby Skinner will also send you some stickers, magnets in the mail, and then also you are entered into two shirt raffles a month. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our patrons. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin. Let's get into the mail. And Julian, Ooh. remember to put the Blues Clues audio and video yes. into the uh, recording. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the mail. Positivity Roach. Aklock underscore Roach. Have you learned anything about Shane through this draft slash offseason? Does it have an asterisk because he was still working with guys from the previous regime? So it definitely does have an asterisk. Um, asterisk, not asterisk. Sure. Because, one, he's only been on the job for the Giants for four and a half months. You know, this was his first time around at the job. So, he's you know, he's going to learn some things this year. Um, And like like Glock Roach said, you can't – he didn't trust people in the building. Um, So, the things – so, partly, no. But the thing that, like, for me, next year going into it is, one, at the top of the rounds, it seems like it carries over from the Bills. They like younger guys, you know. They want they want to take chances on youth. You know, Cordell Flaud is an example of that. The Bills have always, you know, the past four years, four or five years, have historically drafted um, younger guys at the top of the rounds. Um, you know, once you get into day three, like you know, you're just taking players. You know, DJ Davison's a little older. Beavers, uh, it's like 23, going to be 24. Uh, and the top 30 visits, like the top 30 visits. You know, they they brought these guys in. Um, you know, so, but at the same time, I kind of don't put too much stock in that. Because, you know, he was kind of relying on himself. You know, like it seemed like a lot of people from the Bills draft board. Yeah. Uh, you know, like carryover from his time in Buffalo. So, but going into next year, like at the top, I'm putting some more weight into younger guys. And I'm I'm like really diving into the top 30 guys. What I've really learned is that it's his show. It's his show. It's his rodeo. It's his operation. And I think if you watch the Giants Life videos... The way that the draft room is constructed is drastically, drastically different than what it's been in previous years. I mean, with between the boards and, you know, uh, tracking what other teams are doing, tracking how their board is going. And I love how the Giants, uh, I'm mad that they did this, but I guess it's smart. You know, they blurt out uh, some important stuff that you can probably zoom in and everybody analyzes. So it's his show. And between the people that he's brought in, you know, there's been some people like including Chris Rossetti, like including Dennis Hickey, that have had some direct ties to Joe Shane that he's brought in their front office. But he's also brought in people that he's had no familiar relationship with. And then also the Giants haven't had any familiar relationship with. So, I mean, that's the main thing I'm taking. I'm, I'm walking away from this kind of draft in this offseason saying, you know, hey, if this is going to fail. It's going to fail because of Joe Shane. It's not going to fail because John Merritt didn't let him do what he had to do or this or that, you know, something within the Giants building. This is Joe Shane's show. No pun intended. The new hires, you know, with, you know, the from the Bears, you know, Scott Helm, you know, no, no connection there. Um, you know, a couple of connections, the guys from the Dolphins, like, uh, you know, uh, Hickey and, the, and then the other one. 
Um, they still need a director of college scouting, which is very uh, interesting that that hasn't been filled yet. Uh, yeah, we'll talk we- about this. Uh, Chris Rossetti, um, he was hired as the director of pro scouting. And he was with the Dolphins uh, with tw- in 2014-2015 when Joe Shane was the director of, pl- of of pro personnel over there. So that's when Rossetti came came to the Dolphins, and that was the interaction between them. And Rossetti is actually from Canada, um, and he was named the team's director of player personnel in 2014, the Toronto Argonauts. Don't know what an Argonaut is. Do you know what it is? Yeah, and they and they both worked in the uh, the the pro personnel department. You know, he's been a pro uh, pro scout, and then this past year was the assistant director to that spot. What's an uh, argonaut? I don't know. Don't I really don't know care either. to be honest. Julian, can you can you look that up? Um, you know, and then Dennis Hickey, who was the GM for the Dolphins at the time, Joe Shane was there, and then spent the last five years as a as like a lead, uh, you know, draft scout for them. Mike Darris from the Colts. I love bringing a guy from the Colts. Look at the Colts draft class, by the way. Um, you know, he was a national, he was an area scout for them. Uh, uh, now he's going to be a national scout for us. Look at their draft classes, man. They took chances on guys who maybe not be the most like polished players, but are raw. Jelani Woods, Nick Cross, um, Bernard Raymond, Alex, Alec Pierce. Raymond's the only one on there that I didn't like. Um, but like those other three, I really like those guys and they took some chances on some guys with some, you know, speed and size or Nick Cross, who was like a hell of an athlete, but just needs to learn how to play the safety position. So, you know, then, and then Scott Hamill from the bears who was, the, we, we talked about Scott Hamill yeah. on the last podcast. So, um, you know, I'm you not would, taking, would you I'm, agree with what I basically said? Like, Hey, I think the main thing that you take is that this is his show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And again, like. You know, after the first year of Joe Judge, we were like, all right, they don't get any injury guys and they look for connections. And then the next year they went totally <laughs> away from that, like we did the exact opposite. So um, I'm not going to buy too much into like the top 30 visits and stuff, but I'm going to do my due diligence on that. People's like, hey, let's see if this is a trend for for Joe yeah. Shane and co. What's an Argonaut? An Argonaut is a group of Greek gods. Wow. Like the Avengers of Greek gods. Love that. All Corny. right, Toronto. Look at you in the CFL. All right, next ready question. for the next question? All right, let's do it. Next, Boss Beater Gaming at Beater underscore Boss. Pretty dope name. How the Giants, how will they use Wendell Robinson and Kadarius Tony on the field at the same time? Is it just me, or is this like having two Debo-type kind of players send these guys in opposite directions often? I need to say something first before you answer this, Bobby. I think this is an NFL fan thing not just a Giants fan thing yes it's league wide we need to we need to stop with the whole comparing this player to Debo Samuel only Debo is Debo Debo Samuel as a running back as a ball carrier his yards after contact last year with the San Francisco 49ers was over three yards Saquon Barkley's best yards after contact in 2018 was 2.2 and that was pretty good that was pretty solid. Like Saquon Barkley is not a, a weak running back. You know, he's got the strong legs and he's not a powerful back, but you know, he's got the strong legs and 2.2 is decent. Debo Samuel is a wide receiver, 3.1 yards after contact per rushing attempt. And he got a lot of rushing attempts last year. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, Wendell Robinson and Kadarius Toney, they're not getting three yards after contact consistently, whether it's as a ball carrier or wide receiver. So Debo Samuel is on his own level in terms of his physicality. So we got to stop with Only that. Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel. Um, yeah. You know, and Debo doesn't like taking those carries, to be honest, anyways. You know, he's trying to work his way out of there. Um, to me, K- Kadarius and Wandale, I know they're going to be compared a lot, but 
And fantasy football loves Wandale, which scares me. But <laughs> Kadarius Tony is bigger. He's much faster. He's much more quick. And he's a better route runner. You know, he needs some more polish his route running, but Wandale needs a lot of polish his route running too. Uh, you know, people, you know, thought like Kadarius Tony, like he works leverage better than Wandale Robinson does, you know, throughout the route tree. And Kadarius Tony can play outside. Wandale's going to play in the slot. I really think the path for Wandale is going to be more of like a prototypical slot wide receiver. Like, I don't yeah, think I Wandale's going to be used in all these different types of ways. He will, but I don't think you're, it's, it's going to be like just rampant within the offense. I think with them, they see someone who's got good speed, a uh, good ability to, you know, make guys miss and be elusive in the open field. And I think they're going to try and refine him as a slot rod receiver and really work on him and just like, like, hey, become a better route runner. Be, understand this route tree, understand this coverage, you know, know where to sit in it because he needs to not run at full speed throughout the route, uh, all the time. And just understand how to use route sell and not give away his routes and, and, and obviously other ins and outs of route running that I don't, uh, know as well. So, but I think the way you use him is Kadarius Tony is just going to play on the outside a lot more. Yep. And Kadarius Tony, do not limit to him, him to a slot wide receiver. Okay. Look, he plays well when he's on the outside. He's going to get slot reps every, you know, and especially in this offense that's, you know, Brian Dable's the head face of it. Everyone's going to get slot reps. Ken, Kenny Galladay is going to get slot reps. You know, they're going to move guys around and they're going to run concepts. Uh, but at the end of the day, like Kadarius Tony can, he can play outside 80% of the time. He can do that. And so I think really the only big like difference of having those two guys, like adding a guy like Wandale to it is okay. Kadarius is probably going to play on the outside more where if they drafted Alec Pierce or whatever, you know, Jalen Tolbert in the third round, you're yep. like, okay, Tony's going to be more so in the slot. So the the only huge diff uh, bearing it has on Kadarius to me is Kadarius playing on the outside more and a little bit of an ins- insurance if Kadarius is injured and their frustrations with Kadarius grow and grow and they do want to move on from him eventually. Yeah, I looked at the route that kind of Sterling Shepard took from being like the slot wide receiver and then, you know, eventually like we were we were surprised, Bobby, looking at it in 2020 and 20, I think it was 2020 we had this big realization. We were like surprised being like, look at how much more effective Sterling Shepard is on the outside versus the slot. Like he was way more effective. The catch rate was higher. The yards per reception, like everything was higher. And he was a lot more effective when we were surprised by that, thinking, oh, Golden Tate is forcing Sterling Shepard to play on the outside because Golden Tate was the main slot receiver in 2019 and 2020. So I'm hoping Kadarius Tony can go on a similar trend, except, hey, just be better than Sterling Shepard, right? I want Kadarius Tony to be the security blanket for Daniel Jones or whatever quarterback is back there. I want Kadarius Tony to be this high catch rate kind of guy except you aren't just a possession wide receiver. You have this elite top 10 wide receiver in the NFL yards after the catch per reception ability that can change the way an offense goes. Be that 70% plus catch rate guy while also moving the chains and getting some 15 to 19, 20 plus yard plays with your yards after the catch ability. That is what I'm really aiming for Kadarius Tony to be. And in terms of Wendell Robinson, part of the... You know, part of Brian Dable coming in here is him asking Daniel Jones, what has worked for you, right? What are your strengths? What do you feel like plays that that you really like and that really work for you? And I look at 2019 and 2020 with those slot fades. Bobby, you've talked about this, but the slot fades to Golden Tate. I guarantee you that's something that Daniel Jones is saying that worked. And I feel really confident in my ability to put a good ball on a fade, 
a go route, whatever. Not this Kenny Galladay in these all these different directions with the wide catch radius, but put it in a specific spot where only my wide receiver can catch it. I feel confident in my ability to do that. And I think that could be a play and a route, something schematic that can work right away with Wendell Robinson, Daniel Jones, whatever Giants quarterbacks back there. Yeah, you know, they, they ran that at Kentucky a good amount and they had success doing that as well. Um, you know, and he had a lot of success with Golden Tate at that spot, you know. Yeah. Um, Tate's, you know, Tate's obviously bigger than Wandale, but, you know, Wandale can do that. And Wandale's good at contorting his body, um, too. That's, that's like the one thing I think that is he's better at Kadarius Tony than is, you know, to be able to go up in the air and contort his body towards a catch, but also he's four inches shorter. So it, it how much of a difference does that make? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't – at first it was like, oh, my gosh, Wandale, this guy who took a lot of smoke screens and, you know, and, you know, f- throws in the flat. And it's like, how does it fit with Tony? And then the more he realized, like, well, Tony's not just a slot wide receiver. So, um, so so that's it. And attention, listeners, are you ready to be blown away? Mm. Ready. Ready. Blown away like a freaking hurricane in Florida. I'm hoping we get a nice hurricane this year. Oh, you okay. asked for it and they listen. Our friends at Manscaped just relaunched the Ultra Smooth Package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and compliment to the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. The special, the special, the specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to crop that bush of yours and get right to the roots of a discount for your, for your, uh, for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code giants remember the code it's giants listen the legends who introduced the electric uh ball hair trimmer are bringing back their razor so you can be set and trim front front to back mm. men you no longer have to ball your lady's razor for the per- precise trim uh, which is true like for some reason like women's razors are just better than men's it's not fair so now we got manscaped for that uh so, you know, and, and we've, you know, we've all nicked ourselves up before with Manscaped. That's not going to happen, guys. We're, you know, Manscaped's going to do a good job. So grab your lawnmower 4.0 to, you know, give yourself a trim. Do use the crop exfoliator, uh, which, you know, has really great ingredients in it that just soothe, clear, and, and just keep your skin feeling refreshed. The crop gel. Oh, what's that? Well, it's to help you shave with four essentials. It's like a spa treatment every time you shave. So, guys, shave. Use the crop shaver. Use it. Use everything they freaking have. They have so much. It's really unreal. It's overwhelming. So you're gonna overwhelming you're gonna want to buy a lot of stuff. So you're gonna have to want you're gonna want twenty percent off and and free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellows with the relaunch ultra smooth package from the fellows at Manscaped. Your balls. Well, thank you. Thank you, Manscaped. All right, next, next question. Questions. Matt from Vegas at crunch underscore brunch bunch 66. This is tough when I run my glasses on. Do you think Joe Shane tries to sign a cheap veteran at cornerback or just roll with the Dory Jackson and the young guys we already have? And then Issa Cortez also asks, who's going to be our CB2? I'm a... Uh... I'm really worried about the cornerback spot right now. Yes. Um, not because, oh, they're going to be bad this year. But I think, Justin, they need to go out and get somebody. Whether it's Fabian Moreau, Jimmy Smith, the connection there. Joe Hayden, who, you know, you know him and Jimmy Smith are a little older. Xavier Rhodes, you know, guys are in their 30s. I think they need to get someone out there who knows how to play the position and won't be great for them, but knows how to play the position. And you're not worried about scarring them long term as they try and grow into this position. Remember because- when the Giants almost signed Ross Cockrell at the start of the 2020 season? Yes. And like That's how- what we need. 
Yes. That's, that's something, you know, kind of what they need right now. Um, and because, because they're going to want to blitz and play man. Now, I don't think Winky Martin is going to go all out this year, um, because he can't, but he's, but he's, it's still a big part of what he does is blitzing and playing man coverage. Um, you know, and I just don't, Cordell Flott has the best maybe projection, like in body and, and ability to play outside, but he's not ready. I don't think Cordell Flott's ready to play in the NFL right now. You know, and so do I want to like throw him at nickel and then Aaron Robinson on the outside when I think like, we, you know, Aaron Robinson played nickel in college and he played nickel past year. So if you ask who couldn't be the best to play that spot next year, it's probably Aaron Robinson. You know, he's got a little over, you know, 30 and one quarter inch arms, five foot 11. Um, so like Aaron Robinson, he can project to maybe play out there, but I don't want to have to force him out there because there's such a huge need on the team. You know, I don't want to, I just don't want to force anyone to the outside corner because there's a need there and not because like hey this is where we project you if they project aaron robinson out there that's fine um but i just think having a, a vet outside of uh you know adore jackson is going to help a lot because it's like throwing rookie corners out there is a mess it really is a mess you know and then if adore jackson gets hurt it's just like okay we have aaron robinson and who else is our cornerback to as our cornerback too so i think a vet has to be added yeah how many snaps did Rodarius Williams play last year, Bobby? Um, not enough. He, and he's coming out. He's twenty. He's gonna be twenty six years old, and has a torn ACL. And he and again played in Patrick Graham's system, which favored helping out that weaker cornerback too. Fifty. He played in fifty snaps last year, and that's somebody that some fans and hey, inclu- including myself, kind of talking myself into. Hey, can Rodarius Williams be like a guy that can like do it? Because um, he, he did it during camp, and he had somewhat of a decent start to the season, which is kind of insane. Putting, faith, Robinson, putting faith into Rodarius Williams is the same as putting faith into Sam Beal or Corey Ballantyne or Grant yeah. Haley. Um, Aaron Robinson played 268 defensive snaps last year, which is 43%, which is hard to believe that it's that high. Nine games, two games started. Um, so that's definitely more than I thought, but still... Like Aaron Robinson still does not have a full year on the table of being an NFL pro. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to see Aaron Robinson play in the nickel corner. You know, as, as nickel corners become such a part of the run defense, like he's good at that. Um, you know, where I think Cordell fought, if he gets better, like he has like the skill set to play outside corner more so than Aaron Robinson does. Um, Darnay Holmes played thirty seven percent of the defensive snaps last year. I know he was he was hurt in there as well. But you're asking guys that haven't even played 50% of in any season, you know, of any defensive season. Now you're asking them to be on the field for every single snap and then also be the number two guy behind an injury prone player in Adore Jackson. Yes. And that's, we can't forget that, that Adore Jackson is an injury prone player, which is part of the next, one of our uh, uh, questions down the road that I'm going to bring up. So. Um, yeah, I, I think the need to sign a vet there is is urgent. Glaring, yeah. Not not because he's going to come in and be great, but because we need a pro there. Yeah. Yes. All right, we good on that? Yeah, next like question. It's kind of just easy. Just, hey, get a cornerback in here. <laughs> get, get another human being with a pulse that can play the cornerback position. All right, next question. North Carolina barbecue, and this is Tim Coffee, by the way. We all know Tim Coffee. North Carolina barbecue is shit. Really? But Line. we have great beer. Okay. 
Uh, that's number one. Number two, what's the over-under and y'all having to bail Snacks out and him out of jail for disorderly conduct? So, reminder, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in North Carolina. May 27th, Memorial Day weekend, Friday night, Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're in the area, please come out. Charlotte Whoever sent me the picture of that bumper, you know, that old magnet, one of the bigger magnets that we had in Charlotte, had a Charlotte College uh, sticker on the back of your uh, window. You need to be there. So if you're in the North Carolina area, you know, if you're in North Carolina, South Carolina, south of the freaking border, come to the event. Uh, and buy your tickets to the truck race now. Just find the cheapest available, and then we'll all go sit together um, in turn one. So do that. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun. We're going to have a live mailbag show there, so you'll get a chance to come on the show and ask a question or just, you know, it's it's going to be a very fun event. Um, th- the only thing I'm worried about is getting enough people out there. You know, that's the only thing I'm worried about, you know, and we're not selling tickets to it. So buy your tickets to the truck race. They're very cheap. And come out and have a good time. And you could bring your own drinks in there. And then to Tim Coffey's question, Snacks is not coming, right? Like, you, like he doesn't show up to anything. You think you're going to get him to show up to North Carolina? Yeah, no, I he he said that he's wanted to, he's wanted to. And then the last couple of weeks, it's been, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not going to drive down with you guys. I want to take a plane. Uh, so... Snacks is a flake, and I'm kind of getting a little little mad at him that he's flaking on flaking on all this stuff. So I don't think he's gonna like, be there, Tim. Yes, like if there's if you ask me one word to describe snacks, it would be a flake. Tough, tough. Um, but I will bail you out of jail, Tim Coffee. Like I I will do that. Like I no, actually hope you doubt. go to jail so I can tell people that I bailed Tim. I bail one of our listeners out of jail. You know how much good that does for us, like PR wise, it's talking mm. giants that we bailed one of our listeners out of jail. That's huge, and I will be there to pick your ass up. Uh, you know, I don't care if it gets you fired from your job as a teacher. I'm going to do that from coffee. So hopefully one of you does go to jail, and I'll bail you out. As long I'll as it's like it. a not that big of a bail. Yeah, no, not not that big of a bail. And you got to pay me back. But just go to jail. Just, just go to jail. Just do it. But come out to North Carolina. It's going to be a good time. Charlotte um, Motor Speedway. It's not in... Technically, Charlotte. I believe it's in Concord, North Carolina, but Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah, we're going to be be. out there having a good time before the live show, you know, out out in the parking lot. We're going to, me and Justin are going to get there super early. So come out there and join us, hang out, um, bring drinks. And again, you could bring your own drinks into the racetrack. It is an insane thing that NASCAR allows people to do that. So we're going to, and, and the, the, the stands don't fill up for the truck races, I'm pretty sure. So we're all going to just go all the way down the turn one and we're going to have, essentially an entire section to ourselves it's gonna be a party you can also smoke so smoke and woody i'll be meeting up with him and myself i'm gonna smoke some cigars so that's crazy so we'll see you there <laughs> can't wait to meet smoke and woody came on a twitter space uh a, a, a couple for a couple minutes uh the other night smoking woody's a handful first time i talked to him all right uh next question sam crush at i am sam crush what day three pick do you see having the most impact in year one? So this could be positive or negative impact. So for this question, I feel like I'm copping out a little bit, but it's kind of the first two picks of day three for me, Daniel Bellinger and Dane Belton, Justin. And then in the positive way, Daniel Bellinger. Um, tight ends maybe takes him a little time to develop. And again, he's a fourth round pick. But by the end of the season, I think Bellinger should be the starting tight end, and I would love to see it week one. Like you don't don't force it, but he's the only tight end. He's the only wide tight end on this roster who can block. Yeah, and I think that's the. It's definitely the easy answer, and I think it's. I think that is the answer. It's not even just the easy answer. It it should be the answer because Daniel Bellinger, probably out of, 
even day two guys, right? Because Wandell Robinson, does Daniel Bellinger get more snaps this year than Wandell Robinson? Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's it's even day two and day three, I think, you know, kind of saying that Daniel Bellinger may have the the most impacts, especially, I mean, it's just as a blocker. If there was another blocking tight end on this roster, then I'd be like, ooh, maybe, I don't know. They may have to duel out a little bit, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and then, but here's in the negative way, Dane Belton is safety three on this roster right now. Mm-hmm. One injury and he's a starting safety. Yikes. Not feeling great. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone's feeling great about that. Even if you're like the biggest Dane Belton fan, like, I don't know, year one, come in and, and play that spot. Um, you know, that's, you know, there's a question we have later, which annoys me that we're in that situation. Yep. But we'll talk yeah, about it. Like, Dane Belton, like, he could be playing 100% of the defensive snaps week two, if some, if, or week one, if an, if an injury happens in camp to McKinney, who had, a, you know, missed, you know, the first nine weeks of his rookie year. Or Julian Levin hasn't had any injury issues, I don't think. Maybe missed a couple games here or there. But, but Julian Love has also never been asked to play every single snap. Yeah, you know, so you're putting <laughs> Love. So, but again, Belton is is one play away from playing a hundred percent of the defensive snaps. Yep. And Wink Martindale likes to run three, three, four safety sets. All right. Next question. Next question. Oh, can I? Can I I'm going to also say Mike McFadden. If Michael McFadden is a- the one I'm the most excited for, maybe from day three. I'm excited for him. Um, but again, as I think Crowder probably has the edge over those guys to start the season. But Michael but McFadden ta- would be about, very fun. Uh, I'm talking about like pass rushing production. Like, hey, yeah. Michael McFadden ends the year with five QB hits, a sack and a half to two sacks, and some pressures. Like, I, I can I can see that happening if they give him the snaps and they give him those third down opportunities. I'm excited to see how Wink uses it. Like, if he's like, hey, dude, shoot gaps, you know, play balls to the wall. Or is like, are we gonna tr- are they gonna try and get him to be more that prototypical read and react uh, linebacker, like stay disciplined type guy? Yeah. Like, do they give him that like that Ryan Connor? Like, just go. There's gonna be a time where you get sealed off when you should have been a little more patient. But go, 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 go. All right. Next question is coming from Manny Madrigal. Bobby Skinner, Justin Pettick, and he's talking to me. I hope the cigar was good. Yeah, I'm starting Twitter Spaces where every other week I'm going to be having a cigar and the Twitter space will last as long as the cigar does. Uh, With Logan Ryan, Manny asked, out of New Jersey, out of Jersey, who do you guys think can come in and be the leader and the voice of the locker room? I think Saquon and Xavier McKinney can be those guys. Hopefully Kayvon Thibodeau can be that guy down the road. But Bobby, that's something that we were talking about with our Patreon crowd. You kind of look up and down the roster and it's like, where are the leaders, but then where are also these guys that can maybe kick some teammates in the ass to say, work harder, practice harder, you know, do this, do that, do more? Where are these guys on this roster? That's actually like a serious worry I have right now for this this team. You know, it's not the young talent. It's just they're so young. On on defense, who are the leaders? Blake Martinez and Leonard Williams? You know, on on offense, who? who who's who's the leader on offense? I'm not talking and and being raw raw and, and being a good example isn't always being the best leader. You need those guys too. But who are the dogs on this team? Seriously, yeah. that matters. You know, and I'm going to name drop. I was talking with Dave Tolson. He called me to talk about this exact. He's like, "Who are the dogs on the team?" You know, who like he's like, "We used 
to, you know, you have to pay for dinner if you had, you know, the least amount of sprint to balls uh, in a practice. You know, he's like, we got on each other. We held each other accountable. Who are the dogs that are going to keep Kayvon Thibodeau accountable to go ball, bam, 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 all, you know, balls to the wall every single rep in practice and working their asses off? Um, you know, who like, who are the guys on that team? Like the edge group, their most, their most seasoned veteran is Jihad Ward, who sucks. And then yeah, after Jihad that, it's Ward. three second-year guys in Aziz, Ellerson Smith, and Quincy Roche. You know, that's the edge room. Uh, you know, you know, and it's one of those things, too, where it's like, yeah, is Jihad Ward going to really be the guy to hold Kayvon Thibodeau accountable? It's like, well, what have you done? What have you done in the league to kind of, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's not exactly how it works, but, you know, I'd be kind it of looking at... It does work like that. I'd be kind of looking at this guy twice, be like, who are you, bro? I'm, li- I'm literally like the, the fifth overall pick of the draft, and... Who are you? So, <laughs> you know this, what I mean? This team just lacks dogs. Like in the, and that those Super Bowl teams for the Giants had them. Yeah. Jacobs and Bradshaw, dogs. Uh, you know, the all those offensive line offensive linemen. Like those guys were a group. They held each other accountable. They were gritty as hell. You know, the you know, the pass rushers, you know, Tollison, you know, being one of them, but Tuck, Strahan, OC, JPP, like dogs worked their ass off. Antonio Pierce, like like that team had just that dog mindset. The only the two guys on offense that I can see being those guys, one John Feliciano seems like he's he's got some of that in him. Yeah, and here's someone who I would like to step into that role, and I think is capable of it. Kenny Galladay. Yes. Like 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 you know to hold guys accountable, and you know when they say something that like hey if I you know you know talk back he might smack me in the mouth. Like Kenny Galladay is a guy like that, you know. So, um, and so this isn't like guys I think are going to be team captains. Um, and Gates, if he's healthy, obviously. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this team lacks that. Like, you know, I feel like they, especially in the edge group, I feel like they need some type of veteran in there just to be in the room. People like talk about, oh, culture and, and having a mentor is overrated. I do agree that it can be at times, but like, it's, it's a big part of it, man. It's a long process being in the NFL and it sucks. You know, practices suck. Training camp sucks, you know? So having those guys who will hold you accountable, it's very important. Yeah. No, I agree. And it definitely is a worry. And also, we're thinking about can Brian Dable be a good leader of men? We know that the schematic side of it's going to be good. We know, you know, we know the offense is going to be set, but can Brian Dable be the coach and not just the offensive coach or can he, you know, not just the offensive schematic guy, right? Can Brian Dable be the head coach of this team? That is a question that we have. And on a team that doesn't have a lot of leaders and on a team that probably isn't going to have the locker room kind of direct itself, it's a worry. It's flat out. It's a worry. Yeah. Um, and with Dable, it's like Dable's going to connect with these guys and stuff. But what happens when Dable has to, you know, put the hammer down when they're, yeah. when they're two and seven? You know, it's one thing to put the hammer down in training camp. What happens when you're, you know, two and seven and, you know, all of a sudden he has to put the hammer down? Dude, does he does he gain that respect? Which I think, you know, he's I think he's working the game. Those guys respect, and he's a very personable person. So I actually don't worry about that too much. Um, but it's just like how, how much willingness is there for that? So yeah, I mean, you just don't have like those big time, like Saquon's a leader, Shep's a leader, Daniel Jones are leaders. Like they, they're guys who lead by example. Um, but there's a difference between those type of guys and guys that like put the fear of God in you. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Julian. Can you talk to me about DraftKings? I'll tell you about DraftKings. All right, slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 
New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. So you bet $5 on any team, and even if they lose, you get $150 in free bets. Seems like a pretty good deal to me. Mm. Looking to turn a small bet into a big play during MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. I love these bets because if I think the Yankees are going to win, if they're going to win, then Garrett Cole is probably going to throw no hits in the first inning, and Aaron Judge is going to hit a home run. So you just pair all of those together, and you get a way bigger payout. Are you a Yankee fan? I'm not, but I thought that was applicable. And I don't know much baseball, and I know that as a pitcher. Garrett Cole, yep, no hits in the first inning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens in your bets. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. Is it JOMBOY or JOHNBOY? JOMBOY. J-O-M-B-O-Y. Oh, thank you. My brother calls him John Boy. I told him, I was like, hey, we're doing our tailgate December 4th first. Uh, uh, you know, with my brother, I still call, like, he's a he's a, a Washington fan. Like, I've calling it the commanders with him is weird. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you've always been a Redskins fan. Mm. Uh, but he, he told me, he's like, buy, he said, tell me, tell John Boy to buy me a ticket. So we're going to see if John Boy can do that. But it's John yeah. Boy with an M as in Mancy. Um, we'll contact John Boy after this and see what he says. Yeah, maybe I'll just text that to him. Um, all right, next question. Next question. Thank you, Julian. Um, if I had to rate that, I probably I put it around a seven out of ten. That ad read that was that was that was solid. Seven out of one hundred. John G, fan of the year, John G. Are you seeing a potential of uh, Are you seeing a potential future trend with wide receivers treated like running backs in roster building? I have to sneeze. Lots of wide receiver ones getting traded and given money elsewhere, while teams draft replacements. Less injury concerns than running back, but a surplus of talent coming from college. So basically, how do you see the 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 future of the wide receiver position going in the NFL? So I don't see it going towards like the way the running back position is viewed. I agree. Um, you know, running back is more reliant on offensive linemen, where a wide receiver one puts up production, uh, even with bad QBs a lot. You know, like like if you have like a true blue wide receiver one, they put it like Allen Robinson. Look at the production before this past season that he put up with horrible quarterback play. You know, those to- those top wide receiver ones can they're going to put up production with bad QB play. Um, here's where I do think it might change, and we've seen it start this year. I think teams with the elite quarterbacks may decide to pass on paying these guys because one other teams will and you can get, get trade like like serious trade compensation maybe you won't get the same all these first rounders that have been you know uh switch hands with Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams, AJ Brown uh or you know whatever other wide receiver that's been traded um but i think teams with elite quarterbacks are going to be like we can not pay this guy and get draft capital back and still build and we'll be fine with our elite quarterback so i think teams with elite QBs it might change the way way they go about it I also think uh, teams with elite QBs that are paying them top dollar, I don't think they can pay 
these wide receiver ones. So that's what I also think it thinks it, I think it comes down to as well. So I think wide receivers are just getting better. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. I think wide receivers are just getting better, and I think they are the highly most coached up position coming out of college right now. Maybe besides running back. Is that fair to say? What do you mean by like coached up? Like they're the most ready, and I think it oh. just they just kind of transfer. You know, maybe they're not catching, you know, 90 passes right away, but wide receivers just as a whole, they're getting better. Like, hey, we're looking at Alec Pierce as like this third round pick, and he's being mocked in the fourth, and we're feeling confident in his ability to develop into a really, really good solid pro. You know, there, there's day three guys that you just get excited about. Like, hey, if this guy's drafted, I could see him doing something on my team versus other positions. Like, hey, you take DJ Davidson. and We're not ever projecting DJ Davidson really to be anything in the NFL. Where if we took a wide receiver, we'll be like, yeah, there's a place for him. We He can kind of do something. So I think that's how the position is changing. Or I think that there's just better wide receivers that are coming out. So if you are a team with an elite quarterback, you're not going to want to pay those guys top dollars. But then even better, at least in my opinion, if you're a team that has a quarterback on their rookie deal, then go out and pay a wide receiver. Go out and get him. Go out and get your dude. Go out and get your dog. And I think that's that's kind of like a perfect kind of recipe for any team that's trying to develop their quarterback on that cheap rookie deal. You have that four or five year window, boom, go out and invest in some wide receivers, whether it is in the first round, giving a guy top dollar trading for a guy. And that's a perfect kind of recipe to see what you got in your quarterback. I'm very interested to see what happens with the chiefs because Tyreek Hill is a different type of wide receiver one where he changes the way defensive play. Like, like big time, like you're getting double coverage over the top, you know, uh, when we played them, it was like, all right, we're putting a dory on them, and we are making sure we got the safety over the top on these cats. We are making sure we're not going to let them beat us deep. So they do. Tyreek Hill changes the defenses, what yeah. the way the defenses play more so than maybe a guy like Devontae Adams. Even but though Tyreek Hill Adams would catch is the ball, Tyreek Hill would catch the ball like near the line of scrimmage. And if you're having him cushion, if you're leaving him cushion because you don't want him to beat you deep, then he's still going to get 10, 10 yards after the catch per reception. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's insane. So that's how like Tyree Kill and guys like that can beat you, where they're going to beat you whether he's going deep or they're going to beat you whether they're catching the ball at the intermediate part of the field. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the Chiefs offense this year missing Tyreek Hill. Like how much are they able to sustain? And if it's bad, we're going to blame it on them losing Mike Kafka. Um, there you go. But in reality, it's, it's going to be Tyreek Hill. So, the, the, like, I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers with you know losing Devontae Adams. Um, you know, I think losing AJ Brown definitely sucks for Ryan Tannehill. But no one's writing home about Ryan Tannehill. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to to see. But I, but no, I don't think it'll ever go to like where the running back spot is. No, no, because I think there's. There's a general consensus uh, across the league that you don't want to be investing in running backs, like whether it's financially or draft capital-wise. I think in the NFL right now with wide receivers, it's we want to invest in wide receivers differently. And I think each team should differ in how they invest in wide receivers, where if you're paying a quarterback top dollar, then you draft your wide receivers. And if you... You know, you're a team that's developing a quarterback. Yeah, you can draft your wide receivers high too, but also don't be afraid to pay one and don't be afraid to trade for one. I kind of think that's that's how it works. Now the Raiders, they went out there and they did both. They're paying Derek Carr and they're paying Devontae Adams. So let's see how the rest of their team does, um, including their offensive line, which is kind of garbage. So that's they did that. get Dylan Parham though. 
All right, uh, next question. Next two. We got two questions that are going to be paired up together. Two of our favorite people, Gazman and Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Gazman. Superstar. He asks, what beer am I buying you both in London? Hashtag Talking Giants versus the world. Budweiser. And Ron Swanson, my speech therapist, said, let's smoke crack in London, question mark. So we're going to smoke crack and drink beer in London? Sounds like a party. Yeah. Um, we're working on getting to London. We really are. Um, we're, we're, we pitched it to the sales team, like, sponsor it. So we're, we're working to get to London and doing an event there as well. Where we talked, I talked a little bit with the Big Blue UK fan group. Um, so if you're in the London area, maybe tweet at, not at John Boy Media, because John Boy doesn't see it, but tweet at John Boy. Yes. Like, send the Giants guys to London. And if you're not in London, too, just do it. Annoy the crap out of him. Like, just send tweet, 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 tweet. Twitter, 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 Twitter. Just tweet at him, at John Boy, send Talking Giants to London. Do it. Um. So. All it's, right. It's, it's in your guys' hands now. Next question. Paul Nonis, who, by the way, Paul... One of the smartest people out there and ask the best questions. And I'm so glad he asked this question. Can you talk yourself into the Giants exceeding expectations this year? Example, drastically improved schemes and philosophies, easy schedule, health. Or are you fully expecting them to be a bottom 10 team overall? So I definitely can. And maybe in past years I would. But I've been burned too many times, Justin, um, that I'm not going to. Because like, like, like Paul said is we do have an easy schedule this year. I know it, you know, teams change from year to year, but essentially on paper we have an easy schedule. The scheme is going to be much better. Yes. And you look at the offensive like the offensive line is going to be better. The wide receiver group is fun. But here's where I am going to go and remind everyone. Tony missed 6 games last year. Kenny Galladay games missed uh, throughout his career. 3, 11, 0, 1, 5. Sterling Shepard just torn his Achilles, missed 10 games last year, four the year before, six the year before that, five his second year in the league. Adore Jackson, who's our cornerback one, and we don't ha- and we talk about cornerback two, he misses four games last year, 13 the year before, five the year before that. Daniel Jones has missed years every year for the last four years going back to college, and he hasn't proven to be a franchise quarterback. The edge group is very young. Uh, Saquon's missed games, you know, the past three seasons, so... Um, it can happen. Like you can, this team can exceed expectations, but I'm just no longer betting on those type of things. Like I'm not putting any like emotional, like like I'm, every game I'm going to go into it with a mindset and a path to victory and w- going to want to win. But I'm not at this point of the offseason. I'm not getting. I'm not just. I'm not buying into that hype yet because there's a lot of flaws on this team too. And and honestly, the defensive flaws worry me way more than the offensive ones. The, really, the offensive flaws are our health. The def- and how good will Daniel Jones be? The defensive flaws are like, we could be getting torched with the secondary if we have one injury. It's not so much that I'm talking myself into the Giants exceeding expectations, but I'm talking myself into the Giants should adamantly and clearly be better in every single offensive category than the, previ- than the previous, basically, basically since 2015. I'm going back to 2015. 2016, they were terrible. 2017, they were terrible. 2018, they were like... Led the NFC East to scoring. They were like meh, though. They were still meh. 2019, they were still meh. And I think that we remember 2019 fondly because it was Jones and because it was different and because it was a little bit more explosive. But the Giants were still kind of below average and 
definitely more closer to bottom quarter in explosive play rate in 2019 than they were to average. But we think of that, oh, Daniel Jones was explosive that year. That's because we were watching garbage for years, garbage for years when Eli Manning was wrapping up his career in terms of explosive pass plays. And then obviously 2020 and 2021 have been have been actual garbage. So if the, the defense can be worse. It can be worse, and it probably will be worse than what it was with Patrick Graham, right? Let's let's just put that expectation out there. But if the offense has those games, Bobby, where, you know what, a couple times a year we're scoring over 30 points, and it's like, whoa, they're kind of breaking out. The offense is breaking out. And if they can win 31 to 30, 31 to 27, that's how NFL games can go sometimes. And that's how they go for teams that are rebuilding and that are showing progress, not just rebuilding to say that they're rebuilding but actually rebuilding by showing progress. And that is what I want the Giants to show this year. And that I'm putting, that's the expectation that I have. That the, the Giants, offense, you can definitely get into it. But I think if the offense is better, the Giants are going to be better. It's not just, oh, because the defense is eh, average, bad. It's an offensive league. It's an offensive game. It's a game that's centered around scoring points. It's a game that's centered around explosive plays. And if they can do that, then the team should be better even if the defense is worse. And that is what I am expecting this year. I am expecting more wins. I am expecting more points. And I'm expecting better quality of football. That is what I want on a week-in, week-out basis. Well, offensively, we have the same quarterback, who is now in four years, so better. Uh, Left tackle and right tackle, Nate Solder and Mike Rammers to Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. Yeah, I'd say that's a little fucking better. Wide receiver group. Darius Slayton was wide receiver one as a rookie. He might be wide receiver five when all guys are healthy on this team right now. Um you know, and then tight end was an injured Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. So maybe that's the one position that is better than the than the Giants offensively. Um, and then Saquon, we don't know how if Saquon will be at that level again. Um, but a better offensive line will make it easier to run yes. the ball. Yes. So offensively, yeah, definitely. Like I, the offense, there's a I think there's a, a solid chance that the offense is a lot of fun this year. Um, but it's again, you're one Adora Jackson injury away from teams gashing us for 30 points a game. And it doesn't matter how fun the offense is, that team, other team is going to be able to score more because they're playing a, a, a horrible secondary. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I can, but I'm not going to, you know, get myself yeah. over overly hyped. I'm expecting the Giants to win more games and be a better football team than they were last year. And I don't think that is a hot take. That is the expectation that I have heading into this year. And if they are not then that is really, really bad. Well, the question <laughs> is, really does Daniel Jones buck the trend to become a franchise QB in that fourth year or not? You know, that's like the biggest thing for, that's like the biggest thing for this, this Giants team in, in 2021. Like, are, is he, are, is he, are we franchise tagging him or moving on? And not because, you know, you like him, but because he either proves it or doesn't. So, um, and, and, and being above a, a slightly above average, like falls in the moving on category. Um, and, and year four, you know, unfortunately he got screwed by Garrett and judge and co for two years, but it's, it's year, it's year four. So it doesn't matter at this point. All right. So we got some questions left, but first I want to talk to you about AG one. I want to talk about athletic greens. I started taking AG one because everybody knows I'm on a little bit of a diet. I was looking at myself in the camera today, growing a little bit of a stuffle in the beard. And because there's less, there's less surface area that my facial hair needs to cover. That means my beard is actually growing in quite nice. 
And what AG1 helps me do is because I'm on a little bit of an, on a calorie deficit, AG1 helps me start my morning off fresh, well, every single morning, gives me added focus, gives me some added nutrients and vitamins that I need to start off my day and to have a productive day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day right. That's how I start off my day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, oh, here we go, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens uses the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With, uh, with Athletic Greens, you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash giants. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash giants to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Next question. Next question. Patrick Castro at Ecuadorian04. What's your individual least favorite move regarding the team that Shane has made so far? And I think we both adamantly agree on the same thing. I mean, it's easily Logan Ryan, right? They should not have released Logan Ryan for no financial benefit. Yeah, and please don't talk to me about $3 million in 2023. Don't want to hear it. Dane Belton is our third safety. Right now, an undrafted free agent is our fourth safety. Yeah. Not great. And, and, and if you say scheme fit, tell me tell me why he's not a scheme fit. Tell me the the, the safety who played corner played deep safety and down in the box at times and this past year was used as like that under on the uh, as like the robber tell me why he's not a fi- uh, a scheme fit uh, for Wink Martindale and so others um and if you're going to tell me the oh he, well he was Joe Judge's guy tell me how Logan Ryan was going to poison the locker room because he loved Joe Judge you think Logan you think Logan Ryan was going to poison the locker room in one year um against Brian Dable Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka like what what do you what what do you think was going to happen like these guys they're if anything, these coaches are nice, you know, um, you know, like winks up a, a play. They're all players, coaches. So please, please, every argument against it to me just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, uh, I still am baffled and pl- scheme fit. Yeah. Is he as good as he once was? No, absolutely not. But is he better than Dane Belton? Yeah. And also throwing Dane Belton in there, uh, as a rookie, isn't even that re- isn't even responsible. Even if, even if, you know, even if he's, I don't know, it's, it's, it, people will make a sense of it because, you know, it's, it's a new regime and they can do no, no wrong, you know, and that's what happens in the first offseason with a new regime is there's a defense for everything, but I just don't understand the grievance. They may end up not even saving any caps, like the, huh. the, the 300,000 or five, 800,000 they save, they may not save any of it. Um, so yeah, that, it's, it's low, it's, it's easy, far and away. Yeah, and also for me, not trading Saquon, even though I've talked myself into he's going to be on the team this year. So I've talked myself into it, and I I guess I'm okay with it. But I don't want to forget the strong feelings that I did have about, hey, like it makes sense to trade him, not just for right now, and but also for the future. It would have made more sense to trade Saquon Barkley than release James Bradbury, where you have $11 million in dead cap and you save $10 million this year. Whereas if you trade Saquon, you save $7 million and there's no dead cap. So anyway... 
Yeah, it's we just don't know the offers they got for Saquon, so it's hard for me to like get too no. much on that. And I, you know, uh, and if like I don't know what the Saquon, whatever happens with him, whether it's the Giants or other, like what he's going to garner next year, I'm really like enthralled with what's going to happen with Saquon because yeah. he plays the running back position, but also it's not like he's been a dominant running back. You know, no. so even if he has a really good year, it's like teams are like injury prone, like whether it's the Giants, like what type of deal? And he's got the star power. Like what type of deal does Saquon get? Like does Saquon Barkley get a reasonable deal, or is like, he like imagine? I think this is somewhat likely, Bobby. Better offensive line, better scheme, better better a lot of things. He could have a really solid season, but play twelve games. You're still missing six. He could play thirteen games. You're still missing five. I could see that happening. There's and that, that's honestly, you know now, what, yeah. kind of kind of putting it on the table right now. I think that is what's going to happen. Saquon Barkley is going to have a decent season, but play like 12 to 13 games. So what happens? You still miss games. Yeah, so it's like what, 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 but I'm saying what happens with, I, I, like what kind of contract will he get from the Giants or yeah. what other team? Is it 7 mil a year? You know, is he holding out to get, you know, 11 mil? He's not going to get like the max like like McCaffrey and, no. and other guys got. And I think teams um, learned from that. I hope teams learned from that so it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting you know so where it's like maybe they do get saquon barkley back on you know if he has a good year on a reasonable deal if he does yeah. you know you know if he doesn't have another sprained ankle um or tears you know as Achilles. so all right next question all right bobby can we skip this one so say i think you know the position group that we're already optimistic about going into this season which is the least i think we're most optimistic about which group wide receiver Wide receiver, in which we already kind of talked about that. And then secondary defensive backs were the most worried. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Brownstone. I appreciate you, man. Slayton could be might be wide receiver with five if everyone's healthy. But yeah. not everyone's going to be healthy. And okay. they're going to be in space. And there's, there's, I mean, they're a talented group. Yeah. All right. Mr. Bob. Got to bring the computer close to my face for this one. Mr. Bob. Doba. Dobalina. There we go. Mr. Bob Dobalina. Why did I have such a hard time pronouncing that? I'm curious to see how Kafka's play calling will vary from the previous regime. Any insight on this during the way too early stages? I have some insight. I have some key insights. Yeah, it's going to not be Jason Garrett's worst offense in the NFL. That's one. So, Bobby, remember we were talking last year, at least this was something that I was was being a keen observer of. The Giants' first down pass rate last year was actually pretty good. It was 54%. And the Buffalo led the league last year with 58%. That's, that's, you think that's pretty good, right? But I'm a very big fan of breaking things down into by quarter. Quarters one through three. Quarters one and two. When does a game matter most for the Giants these last couple years? First half, the first three quarters. When do games not matter for the Giants the last couple years? Quarter four. Because what do they do in quarter four? Quarter four, they're behind, and then they throw the ball. So it skews the numbers. So what I did is I looked at the first half. It's when the game matters the most, right? At least for the Giants. Buffalo and Kansas City were 1-2 and two in the NFL last year with 67% and 57% first down pass rate. The Giants had a 48% first down pass rate in quarters 1-2. and two. That is a dramatic, dramatic difference. So not only are the raw stats, just by looking on quarters 1-4, one, one and four, the Chiefs and the Bills had a first down pass rate that was topping the league, but also in, in the first half. Bills had a first down pass rate 
and the Chiefs that were basically one and two in the National Football League. That is going to change next year. Hey, it may not be 62% in the first half, first down pass rate, because the Giants don't have uh, you know Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but it is going to be high, and I do think it is going to be top 10, maybe even top five. And then Buffalo, too. I want to look at personnel grouping frequency, because we're talking about tight ends, our lack of tight ends and a lot of wide receivers, right? Buffalo was fifth in the league in their 11 personnel usage, and they were third in the league in their 10 personnel usage. So two things right away. Giants are going to be throwing the ball on first down more. And if you're a fan of analytics like I am, that's uh, good, cool. It's a good thing to do, throwing the ball on first down. And then they're going to be utilizing 11 personnel, spreading out the field more, and 10 personnel. And not just using 11 personnel with like Evan Ingram out there, who's a tight end. 11 actually having, personnel with Evan Ingram is 10 personnel. Right. But actually having three wide receivers out there, three legit wide receivers, and then also 10 personnel, you have four legit wide receivers out there and not flanking out, you know, this tight this tight end wide receiver hybrid kind of player. Yeah. You know, you can lead the league in like 10 personnel and only run it like five times a game. Like it's very, it's very rare. You yeah, see I it, actually but have a, but the, Giants, have, the Giants literally did it zero times with Jason Garrett. But again, like I said, Evan Ingram. Uh, on the field makes 11 10 so the bills were third intent in their 10 personnel usage last year seven percent of total plays which is actually quite a lot 85 total plays they ran it with yeah so that's four and a, that's almost almost five plays per game which is yeah. i guess is you know that's it's a lot more than zero yep so all right um final last question. question last question austin ionetta at austin underscore ionetta as we're moving closer to OTAs and training camp, love this. Which position battles are you looking forward to the most? We'll go quick through this because of time, but for me, it's left guard. Does Shane Lemieux come back and win it? Is it Max Garcia, the guy who's been in the league for a long time? Or do they put uh, Azudu there? Although I do think Azudu would benefit from not starting right away and just working on his technique and not having to worry about the opponent. Um, so uh, my, my hope is for Lemieux to win it. That's my hope, too. I said that on a stream. I said that on Pestis channel the other night. With uh, I was with the hub. I was with Cush and, everything, and everybody like that. They looked at me like I had five heads. I'm like, I, I do think Shane Lemieux starting and winning that job this year is the best case. It's the best version of this Giants offense line. I really do. Um, my battle will be slot corner and also edge rusher number three. Who's going to be... The guy that comes off that that's next in the rotation when Kayvon and Aziz need that break. Is it going to be Ellerson Smith? Is it going to be um, Quincy Roche? You know, insert you know uh, Jihad Ward. You know, who who is that edge rusher number three going to be? Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for our camp battle episode at the end. You know, like the last week of July, we start off camp with our camp battle episode every year. So we appreciate you guys. We'll be back. Don't know exactly what the episode is going to be on Tuesday. Because one interview we wanted to do can't do it, and another one that we want to do can't do it, so we don't know what the episode is going to be on Tuesday. But I'm going to be up in 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 New Jersey on yeah, it's Sunday, gonna be, Monday. It's going to be Tuesday, like a so. an in person. Bobby and I are going to be talking together, so not sure what exactly what it's going to be yet, and that's going to be fun thinking of it. But we're going to have one. All right, all right. We appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs> <laughs>